They don't have to wonder. They don't have to worry. They don't have to question that they know for sure. And the good thing about the Word of God is it's right there in there for us, and we can know for sure. Amen. He doesn't want us to walk around wondering, hoping, crossing our fingers. We can know for sure. These things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, listen, I'm going to quit talking. I know you find that amazing to believe right there. But we're so excited to have uh, this young man come and preach this morning. Uh, Many of you know him and have already uh, just attacked him when he came in the door, I'll have to say. Uh, but it's been so good to see him. It's been good to talk with him uh, through the years and recently as he's been preparing to come. And uh, Tony grew up in, in the children's ministry here and uh, the youth ministry at the church. still remember the year that we had the, uh, the drama. And he, he had, I don't remember how old you were. I want to say 11, 12 maybe. He had the, the, uh, the main role and he had to memorize like a million lines, something like that. And he nailed it. And I don't know how many times we did it, but it was so good. And, and those are just, just one of the many memories uh, that we have. We're so thankful for. But, uh, but God has called him uh, into ministry. He's been involved in a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. I know he's worked with the youth. I know he's, he's led music, worked with the choir, worked with evangelism, uh, all sorts of different things. So God's just, just using him here, using him there using him, using him everywhere, and it seems to be okay with him, and what a blessing it is to see that, and and it's awesome to see his family as well, Aaron and Noah and Nora, uh, they are just a blessing uh, for him, I know, and uh, I just I just see uh, God's got great plans, and I don't have to imagine that he does, because scripture tells me that, he knows the plans that he has for you. And his plans are always good. So, uh, But I'm going to let Tony come on up, and he's just going to be free to do whatever God leads him to do here today. And I see he's got a cup of water, so I'm going to grab mine in case he might be tempted to drink it by mistake. And, Tony, you just come on up and have at it. Thank you, and I, I, uh, I don't know if uh, William was able to read it for the church, but I wrote a thank you note to the church trying to express my gratitude. You know, my mentor told me in life that you need to show gratitude and appreciation to the ones that bring you to the dance, and, uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, just a couple, I, guess, I say an update, like, I don't know, like this is news or something. Yeah, I, uh, I married uh, my beautiful wife, Erin. I think she had to take my son. I got a one-year-old boy, his name's Noah, and then I have a four-year-old little girl, and uh, her name is Nora, and they're a blessing. But uh, if y'all don't mind, I'd like to preach. I, I'll talk to you after <laughs> I'll talk to you after the, the message is done. I, uh, William told me I had till 1230, and I said I'll do the best I can. <clears throat> now, everybody, if, you'll take, uh, if you have a copy of God's Word with me, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is where we're going to be um, doing our text this morning. If there's one thing that really grips my heart as a pastor, it's trying to get people to believe 
that God loves them as much as he really says that he does. Uh, let's, and, and through John chapter 15, I want us to see God's position toward us as the Christian. John chapter 15, and if you are, uh, would uh, at our church at uh, Unity Baptist, for no other reason, but please stand in honor and reverence the reading of God's word as we read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And the title of my message this morning is Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus. John chapter 15. And the Bible says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges. It, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and gathered them, and cast into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples." As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, God, for today. God, thank you. I confess with all my heart, I can't help anybody, Lord, but I know that you can. Father, I pray you take your word this morning. I pray, God Almighty, that you would help us to abide in you. Lord, I pray for the backslidden Christian this morning that follows you at a guilty distance. Lord, I pray for the soul that's that's not clinging to the true and genuine gospel, God. I pray they'd see what you've done for them on the cross. Father, I pray, Lord, that with your spirit that you would move among us and convict us, Lord, and break us if we need it, God. Lord, I pray you'd help me. Uh, Father, I pray you'd fill me and use me. And, God, I want to thank you for all that you do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. As we uh, digest this, I'm going to pull um, from uh, <clears throat> this past. Uh, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm really struggling with the echo in here. I'm just not used to this. I'm really struggling. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't like how I sound. I didn't realize I was that country. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna have to do some practice in the mirror or something. Uh, <clears throat> now let's. Uh, now as I digest this, we did a four-week series. As we went through all this, verses 1 through 11. Three distinctions of John chapter 15 are these. If your Bible, uh, if you really enjoy studying God's Word, these would be wonderful to divide these up in this chapter. The first distinction is the believer with Christ. That's his union. It's interesting in verses 1 through 11, Jesus tells us specifically in a personal intimate way to abide in him 11 verses 10 times he says abide the second distinction and that's verses 1 through 11 the second distinction is verses 12 all the way through 17 where he really drives home communion and not only communion with him but communion with the saints and that is a picture of his uh, he speaks of his love four times he mentions the word love in six verses now, the next distinction and the last one, it's when you abide in Christ and have fellowship with the fellow Christians, the local church, it's then when you really live for Jesus, you will experience persecution. There's no other way. And that's like a telescope that goes out lens to lens to lens. It's how this thing is unfolding. And that's when you get verses 
18 through 27, the word hate is mentioned seven times in 10 verses. But what we're going to try to focus on are verses 1 through 11. I've done a four-part sermon series on this, so i got to finish the fourth one. But I'm going to try to bring out the main points that I believe the Spirit of God really wants me to uh, magnify. Now, when you look at this interpretation, there's many different ways uh, when you look at this passage of Scripture. There's four truths that I have tried to apply to this. That way I can glean everything I can out of this text. Number one, this parable, if you please, or this instruction that Jesus has given is for believers only. And verse number six is not talking about a Christian that can fall out of love with Christ and lose his salvation and die and go to hell. It's not true, but... That interpretation is out there. Number two, the main thing Christ is teaching us that God Almighty is the vine dresser and we are his vineyard. That is the church. That's that purchased possession. Number three, the primary thing that Jesus is trying to teach us time and time and time again is to abide in him. And if there's anything I've sensed among conversations with Christians, is that Christians no longer abide with Christ and dwell with him in solitude. It's just not happening. i done one thing you would have thought they was going to shoot me, Pastor Williams. I opened up one church service. Uh, one church allowed me to come preach one time, and I was preaching on prayer. And when they had me to come up, and I said, all right, I said, everybody, let's pray. For five minutes, I didn't say a word. Is this quiet? And uh, there were some people that come to the altar. We had an altar of prayer, and then <coughs> I began to, to to speak on prayer and preach on prayer. When they got up from the altar, Pastor William, you would have thought they was going to stone me. We, as a Christian people, no longer abide and dwell with Jesus Christ and hide with him in a secret place and get along with him, and enjoy his fellowship and intimacy. Now, let's go through this text, because he preaches it a lot better than I do. But I, that's my main thing as homecoming. It's my desire, not only at Pastor at Unity Baptist Church, but just as a Christian anywhere and in general. I wish his Christians can come home to the fact that God loves us through what Jesus done on the cross. And it's with what he done on Calvary that he's worthy that we live and obey him and do everything that he says. And I love this. I have grown in love. And my favorite book in the song of, is the Song of Solomon. It's that picture of love between Christ and the bride. And in chapter number four, King Solomon looks at the bride and he says, Thou art all wonderful, my sister and my spouse. There is no spot in me. And it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When God looks at us as Christians, he doesn't see our dirty, rotten lives anymore. He sees the blood of Christ on us. And because what he done on Calvary, we've been set free. Now, I say that because I believe when we look at verse number two, he taketh away. There's, two ty there's three types of Christians, I believe, in every church service. Number one is the one that is bearing fruit, that abides in Christ and dwells with God Almighty in the secret place and prays and lives and dwells with him. And then there are two that no longer bear fruit. And those two would be the one, the Christian that used to be on fire for God, and he has grown weary with duty because, or Christian duty because he no longer lets the Spirit of God live the Christian life through him, but he's trying to do it on his own strength and flesh, and he's trying to be the Christian, and he becomes unfruitful. Next thing you know, you don't hear about him. How's so-and-so doing? Oh, he's not even in church anymore. He used to be on fire for God. God's got a remedy for that. Let's look at this. Let's look at verse number one. I'll try to <clears throat> go verse by verse. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Number one, verse number one, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. This first verse teaches us what the genuine 
Um, I believe the genuine Christian life and the potential we could have. The nation Israel was pictured as a vine in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. But they, because of sin and their negligence of God and turning to idols, they dried up like a vine and they were worthless. And that's why Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Now, I'm not, I don't have the time this morning to go through that. But our lives should pattern the life of Jesus Christ. And one thing that I am blown away by, the gospel of Luke is called the praying gospel. That is the gospel you see Jesus' prayer life more than anything. I want y'all to look at this. Uh, y'all turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 1. Y'all turn there as we look at we're looking at Jesus being the true vine. And this is just a little something I want to give us this morning um, <clears throat> that we would look at when we look at Jesus' prayer life. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1, we'll begin in verse number 29 so we can get the whole picture. So remember now, we're abiding in Christ. So first of all, let's look at what Jesus did and how he abided. Okay, when uh, we, we look at this in comparison to the nation of Israel. Now, Mark chapter 1, verse 29 says, and for, if you're there, say amen. It says, and forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, entered in the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife, uh, wife's mother, lay sick of fever, and anon they tell, and uh, with urgency, and they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. He healed many that were sick of diverse, or diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Now look at how Jesus is ministering. He is ministering. He's healing the sick. He's casting out devils. He Peter's mother-in-law. He's doing all this ministry. I'm telling you, I love this about Jesus. When a man or a woman or one of us genuinely abide in Christ, other Christians will think we're crazy. It's the truth. It's the truth. You'll be labeled a fanatic. You need to calm down. Or... They'll be looking at you like you went off the deep end. Now, look at Jesus. He's healing all these people. The whole city come unto him. Now, what I want us to get back to is come home to is getting back in that prayer closet and abiding in Christ. I'm speaking to Christians this morning, okay? Verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, he separated himself from any kind of company or any kind of noise, and departed until a solitary place, there's that solitude, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go down into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Do y'all see how all the disciples said, All these sick people and all these people that need to be healed. And they were trying to get Jesus to get back to minister. But he got along with the Father. And in that intimacy with the Father, the Father told him to move on to another city. And in Jesus obeying the Father, being that true vine, okay, obeying him, his own disciples thought he was crazy. You know what encourages me as a pastor? I'm going to have to make some tough decisions down the road. And some of uh, Pastor William, you've pastored another pastors, not only that, Christians, any servant of God. You're going to do stuff, and this is a crying shame, but be ridiculed by the church for dwelling with God Almighty. It's the truth. Who wants to be Christ-like? Amen. Well, sign up for duty. Because that's what will happen. That, that is, and this is what I love about studying God's Word. When I'm experiencing that persecution, or, I, or I'm experiencing... Man, I'm telling you what, I have learned in the ministry some of the meanest people I've ever met are Christians. 
It's the truth. I mean, cold, cold-blooded people. That's fine. That's okay. Because there's nothing sweeter in this world than laying my head down on a pillow at night with a clear conscience knowing I listen to God's voice and not man's. There's nothing better than that. Now, let's go down here to John chapter 15. Flip back with me. I wanted to give just a picture of being uh, what truly abiding in him. That's the fruit that come forth. Now, when we learn John chapter 15, the fruit, you say, Pastor, how do I know I'm abiding in Christ? Your prayer life will be revived and steadfast. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will. That's prayer, and it shall be done unto you. Now let's drop back down to verse number 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, verse 2, verse 1, we get that picture of Jesus being the true vine. That's a, that's a wonderful study you do on your own. Now, verse number 2 is, I see how he declares our position as a Christian, one, two, and how God the Father works in all of our lives. Look at verse 2, the first phrase. Now, I'm a word nut, and I love phrases, so uh, that's why it takes me a long time to get through stuff. But let's look at the first phrase. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. That phrase, every branch in me, is a picture of the Christian and his position in Christ. It, it, this, is the, this is the God's honest truth. Something I try with all my heart for Christians to see is that when you trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the book of Galatians, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says in the book of Romans that the Spirit of God comes and dwells and abides in you and seals you until the day of redemption. And it's because He has us. We'll never lose our salvation. Now, that's the picture every branch in me. This is talking about that believer. Every branch in me. Now, let's look at what kind of Christian he's talking about. The Christian he describes in the rest of verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, that taketh away, the Greek word for that taketh away literally means it does not mean to cut off from the vine. It means to lift up from the ground and the dirt. This is a great picture. And then times in Israel, and even today, I drove down the road and saw somebody having some grapes and stuff. But it's a picture vine dresser he's nurturing the vine vine dressers are rarely ever 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 seen cutting off branches during the growing season two things that vine dresser carries on his person number one are strings and number two are pruning shears now this first christian we're looking at is one he takes it's one that he lifts up from the dirt who are the Christians that God in his love lifts from the dirt? That tired, burnout Christian that's not in church no more. Well, number one. And number two, it's that backslidden Christian that has neglected abiding in Christ. And he's turned his back on the Lord and went his own way. What does God have to say about that Christian? He runs that Christian down and lifts him up from the dirt. Why? to bear fruit friends christians listen god wants you to bear fruit for the glory of god and when i look at this you look at verse four abide in me the way our english is structured and how we write sentences the intensity of what you're talking about is placed at the beginning of the sentence now i know this is greek and it's different but look at verse four this is jesus speaking and he's speaking directly to us what does he say? What's the first thing out of his mouth? Abide in me. That's, his, that's how he feels about us and toward us. And I'm telling you, Christian, it's because how awesome of a work Christ done on Calvary we can abide. <laughs> the Christian that doesn't have his assurance of salvation does not bear fruit. 
you doubt whether or not you're saved, you won't bear any fruit. Why? Because you can't do anything for the Lord and you're doubting. And I, I just want to give this as a testimony. You know, and this, I, I promise, I got no desire to club or hit. I, I, I don't do that. I try to, uh, I just want people to love Jesus. One of the main reasons people doubt their salvation. Now, Satan oftentimes solicitates our mind with doubt. And, but one of the biggest problems why Christians doubt their salvation is they don't abide in Christ. Because the responsibility of nurturing and cultivating a relationship ain't on you, Christian. But it's on who? The husbandman. The vine dresser. God Almighty, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, verse 14, it says, and as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. Who did the leading? The Spirit of God did. Verse 15 says, and he's not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear, but he's given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, for the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Christian, I'm trying to tell you this morning that it's God that's all in for your growth, your sanctification, everything about your life. It's God that does it. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's, that's the truth. Why do I say that? Well, let's go back to verse number two. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, this is a Christian that is literally doing nothing for God. That beareth not fruit, he taketh away. That taken away is, again, God not cutting you off forever. That picture of taking away is that he lifts up. That vine dress goes, and when he sees that vine laying down in the dirt, he lifts and he takes the string in his pocket and he ties that string to something that will uphold and keep that vine up. What is he tying it to? He's tying it to the trellis. He is tying that vine to a trellis. A trellis is framework around that vine and the whole purpose of the trellis is to support the branch. That is Christ. And that's why I want to personally ask. <clears throat> and, uh, oh, man. Y'all forgive me. Do y'all mind if I get personal just for a second? I, I always, one thing I always trouble people, uh, you always hear a preacher, it's like, and I feel bad I'm up here, right? Oh, yeah, I hear a man preach where it's like he's above here and he's never touched with sin. That's just not true. <clears throat> the tired Christian or the backslidden Christian, you know, I knock on doors and try to go out and share the gospel. I know so many Christians that don't go to church anymore because they made an idol out of the pastor at the church. Left the church because the preacher messed up. You say, Tony, you don't know what you're talking about. Friend, I know what I'm talking about. You're looking at a young man. I'm going to keep this as Christ-like as God knows I can. You're looking at a man that just went through, well, a young, I say an old boy. I don't feel like a man yet. You're looking at an old boy <clears throat> that was at a church that had a mentor that I idolized so much. And here's the thing about clinging to the pastor of the church and not Jesus. When that pastor messes up or makes a poor decision or for whatever reason the pastor makes that decision, in the midst of me idolizing very mentor, I didn't pray anymore. Instead of going to God and cultivating my relationship with God, I went to my pastor and asked him what he thought I should do. So many Christians do that. Prayer life suffers tremendously because they're leaning on the genuine relationships of other Christians with God. And they don't have one themselves. 
And it's because when that pastor finally falls and some and or something whatever falls whatever it does, it breaks my heart when I knock on a door and ask somebody, "Are you saved?" Oh yeah, they give me a testimony. It lines up with the word. Are you in church? Oh no, I'm not in church. See, 15 years ago, see, 15 years they've been out of church because they idolized a man and they clung to that man. And that's why I say this, I say this with a whisper. That way you don't think I'm being ugly. I've tried to be transparent my whole life, and I want to ask the question. This is homecoming, and some of you don't attend Star Town and aren't members and all that, but God bless your heart. You come to hear me preach for some reason this morning. <laughs> but my question is this, simply. I can say this because I'm not the pastor here. <coughs> Are you are you at a church? Could it been that you used to come to church here and now you don't go to church anywhere? I mean, that's just the truth. Don't go to church anywhere now. And it could be because you made an I man. And here's the beautiful thing about it. <clears throat> and the way I looked at my circumstance, God had me in a crucible. And in that crucible and trial just went through within this past year, God revealed inward deep sin I did not realize was there. And through Him crushing me, He revealed to me I'm not abiding in Him. I'm abiding in the words of a man. And through that, God let me hit rock bottom to see that he's the rock at the bottom. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. Why? Man, my prayer life's been revived. Oh, I hit slumps like anybody else. But my relationship is not back with God where it needs to be. And that's why I want to ask, is there somebody in here you're not faithful? Here's the fruit. How can you tell right now if you're abiding in Christ? Again, let's be real. Uh, I grew up in churches. Uh, <clears throat> I come here to Star Town and Terrell and other. The main thing I hear most preachers preach, and also I listen to a lot of YouTube preachers. Most preachers are so hard on that Christian that don't come back Sunday night. My friend, you cannot be abiding in Christ and come here three times a week, teach Sunday school, you name it. You can put a mighty fine show on for man, but God who looks at the heart as described in the book of First or Second Samuel, God looks not on the outward appearance, but he looks on the heart of man. The genuine evidence don't abide in Christ is you have no prayer life. That's it. You think about this. And you ever heard a preacher that tells you you need to have the power of God on your life? He never tells you how to have the power of God on your life. That's frustrating, ain't it? Now, verse 4, the question is, in him we only have three things when you get saved God literally comes and dwells in you in the Holy Spirit of God he is and it's we're alive because he's alive it ain't nothing about us ain't got a thing to do about us it's all about God we have life the Bible says he that hath the son hath life he that hath not the son hath that simple it's because he has given us his spirit says he given us to abide his spirit and his written word the b-i-b-l-e y'all kids know this song yes that's the book for me I... Whoop. <clears throat> now i'm t i Here's the thing. This can sound so elementary, but yet we don't do it. I say we. You know why? I'm the same. I, I, I'm, I, I'm in this sinful flesh just like anybody else. Uh, <clears throat> now, the way you abide in Christ is you literally run to him and pray. And what keeps so many people away from prayer is false condemnation from the devil. Now, 
when God convicts you of sin, it's to bring you to Him. But when God has forgiven you, two things take place. Number one, you need to forgive yourself. And number two, you need not listen to the devil when he dredges that old news up. If you've done what 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of all our sins. Not only did he forgive us, but what's the rest of the verse? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Chapter 2 says, My brethren, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is a propitiation not for our sins only, but the sins of the world. Christian, if God Almighty has forgiven you, run to Him. Think about this too. I hope this helps somebody. There's nowhere else to run to make your relationship with God right. There is no one to run to. No priest can get that your relationship back. No man can help the backslidden. The only provision God has given us to make things right is what Christ done on the cross. And when we run to him and run to him, Pastor, you don't understand, I've got a besetting sin i've got something that binds me down and i can't go back to him i've committed the same sin again my friend it's biblical to run to him and to run again to him and to run again to him because what christ done on calvary was that powerful there's no other provision to abide in christ than what he done on the cross amen thank you lord for that truth because it's his truth now, what I do want you to see is that fruit he taketh away. And I, my heart is out to the one that's no longer in church. My friend, please hear this. When you got saved, God gave you a spiritual gift, and you are greatly needed in the local body. And when you're faithful, number one, to Jesus Christ, it's because you're faithful to him, and then in turn, I like to think of this word of God is the sap that runs through us and gives us the Christian life. That's why we can't do it on our own. <clears throat> but when he, uh, but, uh, man, I just lost my train of thought. Never branch that bears fruit, he purges us. Uh, he's, uh, he's the sap that gives us that Christian life. Uh, let's just move on. I can't remember what I was even preaching on. Ain't that sad? <clears throat> Verse number four. Uh, no, verse number 2, it says, uh, Beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit. Now, this is something else I want to speak on to the Christian. One, it's that Christian that's backslidden, and that is, uh, oh, I remember I was preaching on now. Let me go back to it. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. <coughs> But it's that, it, it, I'm speaking to that backslidden child of God, and even the one, if it's potentially, I hate to be honest, even now you're, listen. And I hurt my knee. Anybody ever hurt your knee and you limp for a long time? Now, how many of you limp so, so, for so long? Because you ain't going to the doctor. I'm probably talking to the man here. <coughs> But you limp for so long because your knee hurts. Your other knee starts to hurt. And it's because this knee messed up, it makes this other knee worn and weary and troubled. My friend, I say this grace, a gracious tone. It's because you're out of church, the body suffers. Christians get worn. That spot you were so faithful in and served God Almighty in and let the Lord use you because you stepped out and you idolized somebody and God's got you through a crucible right now. And my friend, it's not to crush you, but it's to break you from that false hope that you have. The body suffers because of it. And I can tell you right now, and it don't have to be... 
we know that what I have no clue what's happened anywhere. I'm telling you, <coughs> I, I don't. I know church uh, go through seasons and storms in life, but I can tell you a fact of this: when Christians who are once faithful fall out and are not in church anymore, the body suffers. Friend, please hear me. You realize you can reach people a pastor never could. Ever since I got ordained as a pastor at work, people acted themselves. Well, then they found out, I don't know who told them, I don't tell nobody I'm a preacher, because then you get the best version of everybody. And you, they put it, they do, they put a show on. Oh, it's Pastor Tony. <clears throat> I don't know why. I sit there and think, dear God, he sees you in, in, when you're by yourself. You worried about little old me? But uh, but you can reach people I can never reach. Because I'm a pastor, there's people that put a shield up and I can never reach them. But because you are not a pastor but a, a Christian with equal and just as great as value as a pastor, you can reach people I can never reach. But here's the truth. You'll never reach anybody. And that's what I'd like for us to get back to. And not, not only am I talking about that tired Christian that's grown weary in service, I, I, I pray, and I'm going to close up. I'm not going to preach to 1230. Everybody take a deep sigh early. <coughs> Did my wife say amen? Where's she at? <coughs> if there's a... <coughs> If there's anything I wish that we could remember this morning, it's we get back home to abiding in the one that died for us. And we see that it should have been us on that cross. We'll forgive others. He's forgiven us so much, he'll forgive us too. I thank God Almighty. And uh, some of y'all, y'all may think I'm crazy. And, uh, I thank God Almighty for that man right there in that orange shirt. You can't miss him. Everybody look at Scott now that he's embarrassed. <clears throat> I thank God Almighty for him because he adopted me. See, adopted children are chosen. <laughs> I was, I've been adopted in the family of God. But he adopted me and chose to love me and raise me and support me and whoop me. I didn't know I was signing up for that. It's because he loved me. And church, if there's one thing that I wish you could see is that to him because he paid for your soul with his own blood. And we need to get back to abiding in Christ, forgiving where forgiveness needs to be given out, Love the unlovable and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus meant business. Without me, you can do nothing. I don't know about y'all. I'm tired about knowing a man that knows a man that knows a man that knows the presence of God. I want God for myself. Who, who else could teach nor and know the presence of God? Last time I checked, I'm the daddy. It's my responsibility. I hope I can teach my kids the presence of God. And I end with this. Have you taught yours? Can you teach yours? Will you teach yours? And you that don't have children, can you teach another uh, uh, person in Christ that needs to grow up in the Lord? Can you bring him close? See, when you're abiding in Christ, you can edify the body. And that's my call out to you. Uh, if you will play uh, some music and everybody bow your head and close your eyes for a hymn, a, uh, a hymn or a song of invitation. <clears throat> and it's at this, it's at this time I just want to invite anybody. Are you really abiding in Christ for the everybody? But my second question is, is there anybody? I'm gonna have a prayer and then they're gonna play the music and I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody here this morning? That's abiding in Christ, and you say, Pastor, please pray for me. My prayer life is dried up, and I have not experienced God's love shed abroad in my heart in such a long time. Is that anybody?
I'm gonna pray. I'll, I'll love to pray for you. So, everybody, you will please stand to your feet as they play the music. Father, I just come to you and I thank you, Lord, for all that you do. I pray, God, that you would help everybody here. God, I pray, Lord, with all my heart that genuine tenants would be birthed in our hearts, God, and we before you, Lord, so true we don't abide in Christ anymore. We just go to church. We just play the game. We just do what's normal. If we raise the church, Lord, I, I pray, Father, that you would really revive your, your presence in our life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If God's spoken to your heart, you just come forward and spend time with the Lord. Friend, I do this hymn of invitation. I have learned in my life when I humble myself before and come in repentance it's a lot easier than when God humbles me <laughs> in repentance so friend if that's you if, if, if you're out of church my, I, I promise you God will he'll receive you back if you're backslidden God says come there is no sin so dark the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash it away you just come if, you just, if you're a a, a, a Christian that has a burden for a lost loved one, you come. People's come, you just come on. Okay, you can uh, just continue to keep your heads bowed if you'd like, if you still need to, uh, if you're praying. But I'm going to speak softly through this. Um, I don't know how many of us continue to come to church expecting God to speak to us. I think sometimes it's just human nature, right, to just come and say, okay, we're going to sing, we're going to pray, we're going to go home, and our Sunday morning duty is done, and I think we need to come to the house of God with expectation. I don't know about you, but I heard some things today uh, that I needed to hear and need to be reminded of, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm grateful that he's not breaking me off or cutting me off or throwing me away because he is who I need. He is what I need. He knows what I need. And he gave himself to take care of that need. I'm so thankful for that this morning. What is resounding in my head in my right now is come home to the fact that Jesus loves you. 
Okay, listen to that again. Just let that sink in. Come home to the fact that Jesus loves you. Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? You. <laughs> he loves you. Abide in him. No other place. That is the place. I thank God for, for what he showed us through his scripture here today. I thank God for using Tony. Uh, he has used him in a unique way this morning uh, to speak some unique truths. And I give all the glory to God for that. It's been good this morning, hasn't it? It's been so good. Um, and, you know, we get to eat food on top of this. So uh, hopefully everybody has made plans to stay. And there's plenty, plenty of food. If you're that person that, oh, I didn't bring anything or I forgot to bring anything or I wasn't planning on staying, I hope you change your mind. Uh, come home to the fact that we want you to stay and eat with us today and sit around the table and maybe talk a little bit more about how Jesus loves us. I want to just mention a couple of things I need to mention before we step out. And uh, I don't know, I just, I'd like to hear the rest of that, all that uh, sometime. Maybe we'll have him come back sometime. Would that be okay with everybody? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> okay. And if your wife did amen at that point, it's just for encouragement. You realize that. Um, I want to mention this. This is uh, concerning our Sunday school. <clears throat> uh, the, there's going to be a women's.